Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, section 11, chapter 134. What can I say about the foundations of our institute in San Severino, in the marches, and elsewhere, which have been established within the past few years to the great benefit of souls? Everyone agrees that they are entirely due to the labors, example, and authority of Philip alone. But I must advise the reader that our fathers are determined not to take responsibility for the government of any houses outside the city, apart from Naples and San Severino, and those for good reasons. This was settled in the following decree. Let no one dissipate the congregation under the pretext of increasing it. It is decreed that the congregation should not accept any other locality, nor undertake the government of any other congregation save for those at Rome, Naples, and San Severino, in order to avoid the confusion which an excessive number would cause, and in order that those joined the congregation in the bonds of charity should be brought closer together by their daily contact with each other, the character of each one being more easily recognized, and the face of each be so familiar as to be respected. Afterwards, the fathers, not wanting to appear to eliminate the establishment of new oratories, added these words to the decree. Nevertheless, if they think fit, they may send some members to establish colleges of the same character in other towns, with the provision that they return home once this is achieved. These new foundations would not be subject to ours. Neither would their clergy be members of the congregation of the oratory at Rome. Likewise, they may receive visiting priests into their house as guests, so as to learn our customs, and after a suitable time, be able to make their own foundation. Despite all this, the fathers were compelled by necessity to open a new oratory at Lanciano on the 1st of November in 1598. This is because the congregation possesses an abbey of St. John, commonly called in Venere, near that city, which has the care of souls attached to it. Here also the fathers have established a school for poor youths, with the intention of educating them in devotion and for all sorts of practical work. The abbey possesses ten towns, and the fathers are lords of one of them called Fosachiaca. Up to the present day, oratories have been established in many other places, and more are being set up on the Roman model. That gives us cause to believe the famous way of life established by Philip will shortly be propagated among all nations. A congregation which was born to assist all nations should be of benefit to all, with no exceptions of place or climate. Oratories already established on the model of Rome, apart from Naples, San Severino, and Lanciano, are these four. 
Luca, Fermo, Palermo, and Camerino. Those under construction at the moment are these six, Fano, Padua, Vincenza, and Ferrara. The fifth is being set up in a town called Tornon, across the mountains in the Diocese of Geneva and the Duchy of Chambly. The sixth is in the Church of Notre-Dame-de-Grâce in the Diocese of Fréjoux in Provence. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What we're reading about tonight might seem somewhat obscure to people who aren't that interested in oratory and history. But what it's telling us about is the development of one of the most independent organizations within the church. What St. Philip Neri started in Rome, we've been reading about for the last few months, was a congregation of priests. And this congregation was just in Rome. And they were, without realizing it, reestablishing a more ancient form of life where priests lived together in community without vows. But at the time, St. Philip was working for the conversion of Rome. And without his intending it, this group grew up out of various circumstances. And they dedicated themselves above all to prayer to the administration of the sacraments above all confession and the Eucharist, and then these daily discourses. But the oratorians in Rome were focused on Rome and the whole life there, these middle of the afternoon discourses, the other exercises, it was all tailored to the Roman culture of the time. Now, under various circumstances, it was called to go to Naples. There was another house in, in a place called San Severino, which they, they were forced to look after for various reasons. And then there was this monastery, which was almost like an, a diocese that they had been given, and they had no choice in the matter, basically, even St. Philip's lifetime. And then that house in near Lanciano, where the famous Eucharistic miracle is, required another establishment of house. So you had these houses outside of Rome, which were actually part of one community. But then you start having new houses that were completely independent of the Roman house. There were four original ones, and then you're going to get six others that were in formation, including this fascinating one in Tournon, which is where St. Francis de Sales was trying to set it up before he was made a bishop. St. Francis de Sales, the author of the Introductions of Outlife, started trying to found this oratorian community. So he's an and they went for two years before he had to leave. So what is this telling us? Well, it's telling us that it's possible to 
extend something, to grow something, and to ruin it. And that's what St. Philip and the Oratorians didn't want to do. They did not want to ruin what they had under the pretext of expanding it. Okay? And so some people at the time were telling Philip, we have to start a worldwide order, we have to spread everywhere, we have a centralized location. And Philip recognized that there was a genius to what had, God had formed, which is that men would live in charity and to live in charity without vows, they had to know each other very well. They had to learn each other's ways. They had to become very familiar with each other. And if you just grew it and grew it and grew it, people would not be familiar with each other. They would just be, they would just be names. And the whole family aspect of it would be lost. The daily contact would be lost. And so they said, fine, if you want to be like us, you're going to be independent. You can follow our model, but you'll be independent. And so this example should remind all of us in whatever walk of life we're in, that small is often beautiful. And that something getting too large can often be the ruin of it. There's a famous saying, enemy of the good is the perfect. In other words, sometimes people go for what's perfect or what's best. And in aiming for that, they lose the good thing they already have. So let's ask the Lord tonight for wisdom. Wisdom to accept the size and the limitations of whatever it is the Lord has made us a part of. Yes, things should grow. Yes, we don't want to refuse the Holy Spirit, what he is doing. But we don't want to let human vanity, human pride, human ambition make us just want to make things get bigger and bigger and make it, things appear great. When deep inside, the rot is setting in. We don't want to just build bigger and bigger and bigger if the foundations are not very sure. But this takes humility. This takes patience. This takes wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, make us truly wise. Wise that we will cultivate that part of the vineyard which has been entrusted to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.